0: called Surviving the Storm. Surviving the Storm, we've said so far throughout the series, that life is full of storms. Big storms, small storms, it comes in all different shapes and sizes, but life is full of storms. Some storms, and honestly, you know, we don't always know the reasons for every storm in our lives. Now, some storms, you know, I believe most of the time the storm grows our faith. I believe that. I believe a storm, you know, produces faith. It produces endurances in our lives, perseverance, all those things. Um, sometimes the storm is brought on by ourselves. We brought the storm because of behavior, because something that we did, a sin in our lives. Now, I want you to understand that it is not our place, any of us, to look at someone's storm and say, hey, you brought that storm on, you know, because of your sin, That's only God knows. You know, God knows the reason for the storm. And uh, and so sometimes it's not in our place. But today, we're going to talk about a storm. And we see in Scripture, because of the Word of God, that it was something of an action that this person made. Um, Two stories, both true. Uh, One that happened in 1891, and the other happened in 20. 21. In 1891, there was a ship fishing for whales, and they were out there whale fishing. Two men fell off overboard. One drowned, but they couldn't find the other man. They ended up getting the whale that they were chasing after, and they brought that whale to shore, and 24 hours later, as they were kind of gutting you know, and harvesting the, the, the whale, they noticed something was moving inside the stomach of that whale, and they kind of kept digging through, and sure enough, they found that second man. His name was Frank Bartlett, and that man was barely alive, and yet he survived after 24 hours of being in a big, giant whale in 2021. Another guy, he was out, very similar story, he was out on the boat, and they were out there fishing. He fell out, and a humpback whale swallowed him up. Now, thankfully for him, he was only in the belly of that fish. He really never quite got to the belly. He was in the mouth, and, and, and I think the whale was like, this is a weird fish, and this is not what I think it is. And so he was only in the mouth of that whale for about 30 seconds at Moe before he was spit out, and yet he lived and survived to tell the story. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a guy named Jonah, who survived by being swallowed by a fish and survived. And and we're going to learn uh, some things today. Jonah's story is preserved for us in the Old Testament, and I believe that God has given it to us in in order for us to know the do's and the don'ts of how to negotiate the storms of life. Here's some questions I want to answer this morning. Some questions I hope to answer. What happens when you cause the storm? What happens when a storm strikes because of our behavior, because of our sin? What happens when we do the wrong thing in the middle of the storm? our where's God? Now, what, what is God thinking when we're stuck in the middle of a storm or in the belly of a whale? Of, in, our, in the belly of the way of our lives. And the last question is, do we have another shot at the deal or what? Do we have a second chance? So I want to get up close and personal with Jonah. I think there's some things that we can learn from his life and how we can navigate the storm that he went through in this story. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1, 2, and 3. The word, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because its wickedness had come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. God said to Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was going east. Nineveh was a 500-mile journey through the Arabian Desert. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Ninevites who made up this great city were evil, wicked. When they would invade other cities... They would do horrible things to the women and children of that village before killing them. Then they would take all the men of that village or all the men of that city. They would skin every man. They would skin him alive. And then they would bury every man in the desert, in a hot, dry, humid desert right there. They, they would bury him up to their neck. They would take the, every man's tongue. They would pull it out and put a stake in the ground and let that man just go crazy dying of thirst. It was a horrible, horrible, slow death for every man. And finally, when they would die, the, the Ninevite or the Assyrians, they would take every uh, man and they would take their head off and they would stack a big giant pile of head, a pyramid so to speak, right outside the city gates. And it was a message to everybody that was walking by, hey, the, the, the Assyrians showed up. We were here. And you don't want to mess with us. It was a powerful, dangerous message. And every country, including the Israelites, were afraid. They hated the Assyrian Empire. And so you understand, when God tapped his man on the shoulder, and God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I'll give you the resources. I'll give you the power to preach my word. But I want you to go to that city. And I'm sure Jonah freaked out. I'm sure Jonah thought Nineveh, you know, 1,500 guard towers, Nineveh walls, hundred feet thick, Nineveh that just hates anybody that's not of their tribe. I don't want to go. I don't want to have any part of Nineveh. But God said, "Go." By the way, when God tells, tells us to go, we go. You go. And so God said, go. Jonah says, no. God said, hey, I want you to go east. Jonah said, nah, I'm going west. You see, in the story here, if you're taking notes, Nineveh represents obedience. It represents obedience. Tarshish represents Disobedience. Jonah did not go to Nineveh. He went toward Tarshish. Tarshish is the most remote city in the known world at that time. In other words, this is the boondock, Tarshish. This is as far as you can get away from anybody and everybody. Nineveh, obedient, Tarshish, disobedient. In God's geography, All of us here today is either going toward Nineveh, toward obedience, or we're going toward Tarshish, toward disobedience. Listen, we can't straddle one city or the other. You're either going in one direction or the other direction. Maybe today you're in the business world. You're either sailing toward Nineveh, being open, honest, you tell the truth, you live your life with integrity, or you're sailing toward tarshish, disobedience. You know, you're receiving kickbacks. You know, you're doing no gray area details. You know, you're lying to your client. You fudge the expense account. You know, students, college students, uh, high school, middle school students, when you're taking a test, an exam, you're you're either saying that you're going to study and do the best of your ability. Now, you're in Nineveh, obedient, or you're saying, wow, I've got to do good on this test. If I don't do good on this test, I don't, I don't make the basketball team, you know, or I don't pass the class. And so I'm going to do a little cheating here, and I'm going to head toward Tarshish. You see, when you and I are sailing toward Tarshish, the truth is we're in rebellion. Rebellion. You know, uh, if you're taking notes, you've got to understand that rebellion, at its core, is simply saying no to God. That's what rebellion is. It's simply that, that you're saying no to God. And here's what you need to understand. Here's what you need to understand about Jonah. Jonah is an upstanding guy. In fact, we see in 2 Kings 14, it tells us that Jonah was one of Israel's premier prophets. He had a very successful ministry during one of Israel's uh, finest hours. He was considered the Billy Graham of that time period. And, and here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes we tend to evaluate our walk with God by comparing how godly we are to others, hey, I go to church more. You know, I'm involved in more ministry. You know, I I I give more. You know, I I pray more. I I I read God's word. I I I read God's word through and through. You know, every year. But understand this: that lordship is one of those things that if it's not absolute. In total, it's not real. Not real. You see, you're never farther from God than when you're close to him and you say no. I mean, you can look the part. You can smell the part. You can have your Jesus smile on. You can have your big Bible in your hand. And you can look like you've got it all put together and yet you can still be so far from from God, because you're headed in your life toward Tarshish. And so the Bible said that Jonah had to go down to the, a little port city of Joppa, and he found a ship bound for Tarshish. Now, while in Joppa, Jonah you know, he probably found a newspaper, an ad in the paper, in the travel section, and in that travel section in the paper, it says, cruise aboard the USS Disobedience <laughs> to the beautiful city of Tarsus, where they have crystal clear water and beautiful sugar-sand beach where you can get away from all the problems of your life you can also get away from the plans and purpose and the will of God as well. And John is like, man, that sounds great to me. He found his cell phone, called the travel agency, set it up, and paid the fare. And found himself on a ship headed to Tarsus. I got three principles. Number one, when you sail away from God, you will always pay the fare. You will always pay the fare. By the way, when you sail away from God, you you never get to your ultimate destination, you never get there. And you always pick up the tab. Now, on the other hand, when you sail towards God, you get where you're going. And here's the cool deal. God always picks up the tab. And so look at Jonah chapter 1, verse number 3. Notice that Jonah found a ship who's ready for him. He ran away from the, from the Lord. Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. You you ever notice that people assume that the readiness of the trip is like God's okay on a plan of action? Listen, just, just, just because the circumstances all fall into place, it does not mean it's the will of God. You see, the evil one, right, Satan, He's always providing transportation away from God. You see, Satan's in the mass transit business. He's always looking for an opportunity. He always want to present the opportunity for you to walk away from God. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where people are doing something clearly against God's plan, against God's will, against God's word. And they're like, but, but look, God, all, all this works out. Let me tell you, whenever God speaks to you, when God is speaking to your life, you can always, always, always find a boat standing in the wrong direction. In other words, if you're taking note, if you want to run from God, there will always be a ship ready waiting for you in Joppa. When you want to run away from God, there will be a ship ready, Satan providing it for you you have an enemy whose whole role is to ready to chip for your disobedience. If you want out of your marriage, there will always be a too-good-to-be-true relationship that will present itself. If you tolerate greed in your life, there will always be a great deal on something to buy or a way to cheat or steal to get ahead. I've heard people say, well, Scott, I've had a peace in my heart about this. I got peace. It's like, you know, peace, and sometimes we think peace, in the heart, is God's okay on a situation that overrides his word in our lives. One what of what Satan's primary role is to give you peace, a false peace about doing, about doing the wrong thing. We see this in Genesis chapter 3. At the very first temptation, he goes to the Eve, the woman. And he said, hey, you know, I promise you. I know, I, know, I know the forbidden tree, God said do not touch it, but listen, it's good. It's good for food. It'll make you wise. Oh, you won't die. And, and he gave her peace. He gave Adam and Eve peace about disobeying God. You see, peace in your heart may not always be God's affirmation of what you're doing. It could be that Satan is numbing your conscience as he leads you down a path towards death. So don't look for peace in your heart as your guide to your life. Don't look for peace to guide you. Look to God's word. See, peace in your heart, that can change based on what you ate or what mood you're in, right? But God's word, it never changes. You know what Jonah did? What Jonah... He got on the boat on the USS Disobedience. And he had this false sense of security. False sense of peace. If you know the story, he fell asleep. He found himself a nice little hammock down in the belly of that belly of that ship. And he's sleeping. We continue to read in Jonah chapter one, verse 15. They took Jonah and then threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. Well, here's what happened. Jonah's sleeping. Everything's fine. He's just having a good time. He said, man, I got away. I'm headed toward Tarshish. I do not have to go to Nineveh. I'm going the total opposite direction. Everything looked calm and smooth. And all of a sudden, that ship sailed right into a hurricane. And there was a storm so bad that even the sailors were freaking out. I mean they were they were afraid for their lives. They go down to the to the bottom of the ship and they see Jonah, who's asleep. They wake him up, you know, and they say, hey, we're gonna die. And, and Jonah Jonah knows. And Jonah saw oh, man, I know what's happening. I know, I know what's happening. God's coming after me. You know, hey guys, here's what you need to do. Just throw me overboard. You throw me overboard, well, I'll be good. By the way, this is a a, a little side note. I don't want to go chase down this rabbit trail for too long, but um, it's true, and I need to say it. When you sin, when you disobey God, it's never private. It doesn't just affect you. Here we have Jonah's sin affecting a, a whole entire ship. We just did to understand that. And Jonah's like, all right, guys, just throw me overboard. The Bible says, you know, that, they, that he, they threw him overboard. And once Jonah hit the waters of the Mediterranean, the water calmed down. But then we see what happens next. Look at verse number 17. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Three days and three nights. I'm sure Jonah was like, Man, I'm in serious, serious trouble. I'm sure at first he had no idea what hit him. I mean it's dark, it's slimy, it smells terrible. He probably thought, man, I must have died and gone to hell. I mean this is terrible. And then I think after a little bit of time he realized, oh man, I ain't been swallowed by a fish. You've been swallowed up. You know, could it be that you feel like right now, you, right now, you feel like you're in the belly of a fish? Maybe you're here today, and you've hit rock bottom. You feel like you've been swallowed up. The storms of life have just swallowed you up because of your behavior, your action. And, and, And you feel like, You know, you don't know where to go. You'll feel like you don't even know where to turn. He says, God, I I can really connect with Jonah. I just feel like I'm eaten up by a situation in my life. You see, remember, Jonah brought this deal upon himself, right? He brought this on. And when you run from God, listen, you always pay the cost. You always pay the fare. some of you right now, you're in the belly of a fish. God has caused a storm. And this problem, this storm has swallowed you up. Now, before we go to the next point, let me ask you a few questions. Are you headed in the wrong direction? Are you on the wrong ship? Is there an area in your life where you are saying no to God when you ought to be saying yes to God? And if that's you this morning, I want you to hear me. I want you to understand that there is a loving, loving God waiting on you. He wants to bring you full circle back to himself. That's why he sent his only son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago. That's why he sent him here, to let every fugitive, to know, let them know that there is a way home, that there is a way back, that you can get there, and he is the way to get there. You've got a choice. You can either keep... Being a running man like Jonah, or you can turn around and run back to God. I want you to understand, and we see this all throughout the book of Jonah. We actually see this throughout the entire scripture, that our God, if you're taking note, our God is the God who is chasing you down because he is desperate for you. We have a God who is in love with you. Man, I love that we sang that song. Oh, how he loves he loves you so much. He's desperate for you. You're know, do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get you uh, to turn around on the path of sin, on the path of death, so that you can experience life, and life in abundance in him. He's desperate for you. Let's look at the second point. When you stay away from God, you become fish bait. You become... Fish bait. You know, I felt I felt like fish bait before, haven't you? I've run from Ghana, I've brought a storm, a storm by myself. I've done the overboard thing. I've done all that. You see, Jonah, he, he has become, he became human fish bait. He's inside the belly of a whale. Jonah has hit rock right bottom. But there's hope for him. Right? There's hope. From there, you now Jonah has no place to go but up. But we can all relate because we've all been there. We've all have. Maybe today, you're here this morning, and your marriage has hit rock bottom. Your marriage is in the belly of a whale. You are once so in love, and now you wonder what went wrong. You want to know what went wrong, how did it change so fast? Maybe, maybe you, had, you have a dream that's in the belly of a... Yeah, that, that fly, Tom. I'm going <laughs> to kill that fly. <laughs> He's going to meet the belly of a whale in just a minute. Maybe here this morning you have a dream that's in the belly of a whale. A dream and a goal that you had for your whole life, and you see it dying right in front of your whole eyes. Maybe your finances today are in the belly of a whale. Your finances are in a mess because of some poor financial decisions that you made. We've all been there. We've all failed. We've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. We've all thought at times that we knew better than God about a certain situation. I want you to notice what Jonah did in the belly of the whale. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. I want you to put yourself in, for just a minute, put yourself in Jonah's swim trunk. Can you do that for me? Put yourself in his swimming trunk, and I want to ask the question, how many of you would not have prayed inside the belly of a fish? You're in the middle of this slimy, dark place. How many of you would not have prayed? I'm not sure that I would have, you know. Um, But you know what Jonah did? He prayed. He prayed. And you know what he realized? He realized, Jonah realized that you can't sail away from God. You can't run from God. If you run from God, you'll run right into God. You can't get away from God. You can't fake him out. You can't do the Jonah juke. You can't. God is going to be right there on you. You can't get away from God. You can run away from him, and you'll run right into him eventually. Jonah, he prayed. In verse number two, he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I don't want you to underline next four words. And he answered me. Oh, I love that. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Then it said, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listen to my cry. That's so amazing. See, we have the ability, my friend, to call On the God of the universe, the creator, the sustainer, the one who spoke, hung the stars in the skies, who created the heavens and the earth and all the galaxies into existence. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and omega. He's the supreme judge, the holy one, the one who is all-knowing and ever-present and all-powerful. We can call on him, and he will answer us. Jonah called on him after he basically said, forget you, God, in chapter 1, and God in his mercy in chapter 2, still listened to him. Powerful. Powerful. And I hope you don't let the power of, power of that thought pass you by. I wish we could scratch that itch a little bit longer today. We're going to keep moving on. From the belly of a fish, he prayed. He continued to pray in verse number six, to the roots of the mountains. The roots, I love, I love the, the picture of that, roots of the mountain. Sometimes we think of the roots of the mountain as what we see on the plains. You know, when you go, when we went out west to the Grand Tetons, you know, you, you see the valley floors and see, you know, mountain 14,000 feet up but the root of the mountain is beneath us. It goes all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. He said, From the, to the root of the mountains, I sank down. I've, I've hit rock bottom. He said, the earth beneath bowed me in forever. But you, Lord my God, but you, Lord my God, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. You see, some of you, this is your testimony. You had a but God moment in your life. My life was out of control, but God intervened. My marriage was in trouble, and we thought it was over, but God changed my heart and healed my marriage. I you know, The doctor said it was over. The doctor said that there was no chance, but God, he came in, and he had the final say. And now for some of you this morning. You see yourself in a downward spiral, in a spiral that's leading to the path of death. But you have a but God moment waiting for you. All you have to do is to look up and to cry to him, to quit running. A but God is waiting is waiting for you. A but God moment is waiting for you. Turn back to him. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. I love, hey, I love chapter 2. Oftentimes when we read the book of Jonah, one, chapter 1 and 3 is our favorite chapter. Chapter 2 is so powerful. The psalm of Jonah, some will call this. We roll into chapter 3. Before I get to chapter 3, um, it's no secret, I like to play golf. And most of you know that. We we'll talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm not good at golf. I'm terrible at golf. You know, the best partner to play with, if you ever want to play golf with me, you need to be the kind of a guy. You need to be the guy that says, Scott, that was terrible. Would you like to take a mulligan?" Now, when I first heard that mulligan, I was like, what, What's a mulligan?" that a mulligan. It's a do-over. The first one don't count. So we like a mulligan. Well, yeah, I will take a mulligan. Get my ball. I Wayne, you know, I, I, I Wayne. In the woods again. <laughs> I look at my friend. My friend back here. Go ahead, Scott. Take another mulligan. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, do a bad job. Go ahead, Scott. Take another mulligan. I'll be like, I don't have any more. Balls in my pocket. I said, God, hold on, hold on. I said, thank you. I owe you one. I said, God, don't worry about it. It's a mulligan. I love mulligans. (laughs) Here's the third point. When you sail away from God, remember, He will give you a mulligan. He always will give you a mulligan. When you've blown it, when you take a bad shot at it, God's back here. He'll even give you the ball. God, take a mulligan. Take a mulligan. I love that verse. It's probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. In fact, I believe that this verse is the theme of the entire Scripture. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Can you all read that with me? Let's read it again. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'm so thankful that we serve a God of the second time, the second chance. Because if we did it, we would all be in trouble. We were being in serious trouble. Jonah turned from his sin. He turned from Tarshish toward Nineveh. He repented. The word repent means to do a 180. God gave him a mulligan. And Jonah went back to Nineveh towards obedience. In a way, he jumped off the USS disobedient. Hop on a new boat a new ship called a USS Mulligan and found himself sailing toward Nineveh. He walked into Nineveh, and I bet you anything, they smelled him coming a mile away. He had been in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. He was probably sporting that gastric juice tan. Hair looked a little white, maybe a little zombie-ish looking. And, and, and the Bible said that he went through the city of Nineveh. It took him three days to walk through the city. And he preached one simple message, eight words long. We see it in Jonah chapter three, verse four. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Uh, I don't know. That's just, to me, that's not the more compassionate message. You know, it doesn't sound very Billy Grahamish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 40 more days, you better shape up or you're out. I mean, that's kind of how I talk with my kids sometimes. It's a, one, hey, one more strike, kid, and you're, you're done. You know, you know, you're grounded. You know, don't, hey, one more, hey, 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 stop. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. stop. Don't, 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 don't you do it. That's the message. That's the message. I, I think that Jonah's heart really wasn't all quite there. We, we know that because of chapter 4. I think he was just like, I'm going to do the bare minimum. But we also know that salvation is not of Jonah. Salvation is of the Lord. And he preached this message, 40 days, and we'll be overthrown. And the Bible says, from that message, the city, all 120,000 Ninevites, change." They repented. Revival broke out. In fact, if you see in chapter 3, a revival that was, you know, they, they, their heart was so changed that not only did they change and put uh, ashes on their forehead and put on sackcloth and repentance and crying out to a holy God, but they also put sackcloth and ashes on their cattle and on their pets. I mean, they were serious about what took place. Forty days. You know, God's mercy, huh, God's mercy is available to everybody. It doesn't matter if you have a life of a Ninevite, God's mercy is available. Here's the other thing to understand in there: that God's mercy is limited. 40 days. A friend, you're running from God, God's mercy is available. But limited. Some of you are right now. You're on day 39. I don't know. God knows. Turn around. Don't wait. These people are on day one. We're not waiting until day 39. We're turning around. And God gave not only Jonah A mulligan. He gave the city of Nineveh a mulligan as well. Three men. If you want to write them down, you can. Three guys. Moses, David, Peter. Three mulligan men. Three mulligan men. Moses had the Ten Commandments written for him. Got mad, smashed him to the ground. God gave him a mulligan. David committed adultery, had his girl's husband killed, but God gave him a mulligan. Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times in a few hours. But God gave him a mulligan. They all had a but God moment. And for some of you here today, there's a but God moment waiting for you. Will you receive the mulligan? Will you accept the mulligan? So the question is, which way are you sailing? Are you on the USS disobedience, headed toward Tarshish? Or are you on board the USS mulligan, headed toward Nineveh? Living in grace. When you're living toward all or- obedience, I promise you, you're not going to get seasick. God will take you to the place that he wants to take you in ways that we can never do on our own to accomplish his perfect will. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the the powerful story of Jonah. And oftentimes we look at Jonah and we, we, we look at all the things he did wrong. But God, help us to see that we're all Jonah too that there's Jonah in me, there's Jonah in every one of us. And some of us, we're, we're headed toward the, toward the wrong direction. We're standing toward toward Tarshish's disobedience. We're saying no to you when we should be saying yes. And so God, I pray that we will turn it around and go after you. To go after Obedience. God, help us understand that you're not finished with any one of us, no matter how far we might be. You still love us. You're still desperate for us. And you do whatever it takes for us to get our attention so that we can get back to the place that you want us to go. So, God, I ask you to help us today. Maybe there's someone here today, they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. Oh, God, I pray that today that they can experience your salvation through what you did on the cross. Not something that we can do, not something that we can earn, but by simple trust and faith that you love us. And that you send your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And that you are the only way to heaven. And that we trust you for your forgiveness and for your salvation. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.